A number of items have been of interest to me in recent weeks. That's really a bit of an understatement because I've been trying to understand the events of the day and how they mesh with the prophetic scriptures for a coming wave of evangelism that will surpass all others. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom and welcome to the Critical Musts. This is where we discern from scripture the events that must take place before the return of our Lord. You know, every time I read about the unseen scriptural truths in the Word of God, the unseen realm, you know, uh, the principalities, powers, rulers, thrones, dominions, authorities, all those things that are spoken of in the Bible in the unseen realm, I find uh, I really want to better understand what their increasing influence will mean or what that influence will look like to the body of Christ, the church, the closer we get to the second coming. It certainly seems that all present-day trends, societal, political, spiritual, are all moving nonstop in the direction of the predictions of the Hebrew prophets. But listen, those foretellers and forthtellers and their New Testament counterparts also made it abundantly clear the powers of the air will exercise extreme resistance, opting to pour forth great deception among the nations and even, if possible, deceive the very elect. We do know Jesus will consume and destroy these enemies when he splits the sky, but how are we to understand these unseen beings in the here and the now? Certainly, Paul makes clear our battles in this present walk are with these beings, not human flesh and blood, the beings of the unseen realm, that these creatures are alive and well, and in their present state of existence, their multidimensional realm in which they function, these powers of the air are fully capable, fully capable of creating chaos, doubt, and fear in our collective lives right here on earth. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6.11. Put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor, don't leave any of those pieces off, that you may be able to stand against the wiles. Those are the ploys, the schemes, the deceptions of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Think on those words carefully. I, like so many of you, read that verse so often. We, we, we take for granted, we understand the spiritual opposition and frequently throw up a warfare prayer. Well, my question is, how'd that work out for you? It didn't work out for, well for me on many occasions. We know that quickie prayer is sometimes effective, but more often than not, we must return to the same battle time after time. I'm a big believer in praying and confessing the Word of God, confessing it out loud with some authority and, and with plenty of confidence that not only the God of heaven and earth is hearing my voice, but the powers of darkness take notice, take significant notice, that according to Philemon 1.6, when's the last time you read that verse 
in that book, Philemon 1.6, that the communication of my faith might become effective by my acknowledging every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. So therefore, I confess. I'm, I'm going to speak out loud. I'm going to speak boldly. I'm not talking to Jesus. I'm not telling the Spirit of God what he's to do. He's not my gopher. He's not a heavenly Santa Claus. I'm speaking to the powers of the air. Therefore, I'm confessing this to be the greatest day of my life. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sin, sickness, disease, poverty, fear, doubt, worry, cancel culture, critical race theory, even the petty parochial pontifications of pompous potentates pandering to the political pundits of the day. And all that Satan represents will not have dominion over me. Dominion here is the operative word. The dominion that Satan and his cohorts try to put over each and every one of us. Dominion is the operative word. This is not some some name it and claim it, some blab it and grab it, making presumptive demands of the Holy Spirit of the living God. I simply confess before God and make known to the principalities and powers of the air that they will not listen, they'll not dominate, they'll not control my thoughts and my behavior in the face of their opposition. They'll not dominate and discourage my worship, my prayer, my godly relationships. That I'm an overcomer, and though you may kill me, you'll not have my eternal spirit, which is fully paid for by the blood-bought sacrifice of Jesus Christ my Lord." Yeah. I recently posted a piece from my, my good friend Neil Parks that I believe is a, a word of the Lord for such an hour as this. By the way, Neil has a, a wonderful podcast I would urge you to listen to. It's called Fill the Lamp. It's, it's an excellent listen, and I urge you to check it out. But listen to what this writer says. We face the identical temptation of Mordecai and Esther, the same one they faced as recorded in the book of Esther. Our society permits all beliefs except an exclusive one. The incontestable value of Western culture is tolerance. Ironically, the champions of tolerance are intolerant of a religion like Christianity that that adheres to one Savior and one solution to the human problem. In such moments, God's message is clear to us. Remember your name, and I might add, make your name and your mandate known and clear before the powers of the air. Confess who you are in Christ Jesus. So back to Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 and his teaching us on the principalities and the powers of the air. What's he telling us? What's he making clear to the church? Well, he's showing us these unseen principalities actually rule. They actually have an authority. They have an authority in the fallen darkness of this age, in the realm outside the presence of God, who actually he banished them from his presence, as we see in Isaiah chapter 14. Listen to Isaiah 14, 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. That's his name. That's the Satan's name. The Satan is his title. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. 
Listen to me carefully here. Satan was removed from the presence of God in the third heaven. You know, the very place the Apostle Paul visited in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when when he heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Listen to Isaiah's prophecy here in verse 13. For you have said in your heart, Lucifer, you've said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. (laughs) Satan always has a thing about the north. The man who will actually ultimately become the Antichrist will come out of the north. Verse 14, the prophecy continues. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And I believe that was the clincher. Yet you will be brought down to Sheol, to hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. Verse 16, those who see you will gaze at you. Now listen to this carefully and consider you saying, is this the man? A man. Is this the Antichrist, might we say, who made the earth tremble, who who shook the kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? That's a coming event, folks who did not open the house of his prisoners. And we fuss and we argue about the power of the devil. We do not have to allow the devil to have dominion over us. Folks, these are things that will take place in the spiritual realm, in the heavens. These spirit powers don't have physical bodies, but they are capable. They're capable of manifesting in in some sort of state that's recognizable to humans. Spirit beings who, under the permissive will of God and in consequence of human sin, exercise satanic and therefore antagonistic authority over the world in this present condition. A spiritual darkness, an annihilation from God, We know from Scripture the devil himself will ultimately be cast from the heavens. I believe that's the second heaven where he's going to come from. The realm he presently occupies, cast to the earth to take up a a full residence in that coming Antichrist who comes out of the north. Listen to Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. That's the Satan. That's Lucifer. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven, in that second heaven, any longer. Satan, or his demons, so the great dragon was cast out. That that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole earth, he was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Paul makes it clear in Ephesians that a a child of God and his victory in such a struggle or such an encounter has a, a much higher purpose than just winning a temporary battle. There's even a greater barb or a provocation attached to, to such a victory as that. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, that many-sided, variegated, full and complete wisdom of God might be made known by the church to those principalities and those powers in the heavenly places? Oh, boy. (laughs) In our holy apostolic and prophetic offices, 
that will become gifted and abundant in us in the end-time church, that through those offices will make known God's wisdom and his apocalyptic mysteries to the powers of the air. Brothers and sisters, this is really deep. It's a, it's a divine honor of responsibility given to frail flesh and blood children by the living, uncreated God of heaven and earth. Think, meditate, mutter on that for a while. That as we, as we begin to step aside from legitimate pleasures in life and, and give ourselves to personal and corporate intercession and travail for the coming kingdom, there's an unimaginable demonstration of the power of the blood to the principalities and the powers. And that happens in real time and space. And that puts them on notice their time is getting short. Listen to me. To wrestle successfully with the Satan and his demonic forces, we must first wrestle with God in irresistible prayer, just like Jacob did in Genesis chapter 32. Most of us know the story of Jacob and Esau. That conflict between the brothers settled a, a great deal for the future of Israel. When Jacob was left alone to wrestle with a man near the, the banks of a brook, Listen to the story in Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 24. Now, when he, this man, scholars believe, was the pre-incarnate Christ, when he, the angel of God, did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him, and he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what's your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and, listen to this, and with men and have prevailed. Jacob, in spite of his earthly flaws, was an overcomer. He put it all on the line in a life-and-death struggle. He would not quit until the answer came. Although the Bible doesn't say, perhaps we could say, Jacob knew the outcome of his travail would also serve as a, a clear prophetic word to the principalities and powers of the air, that he, Jacob, had a divine mandate to demonstrate a supernatural tenacity before the forces of darkness of the, the manifold wisdom of God in his struggle. Just as our approaching struggle in the end times will mark for overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a fight of the ages, the prophet Hosea also validates this Genesis story. Listen to Hosea chapter 12, verse 2. And in his strength, Jacob struggled with God the pre-incarnate Christ. Beloved, I'm not trying to paint some rosy picture here of a hero's outcome. I'm, I'm declaring by the word of God the spiritual warfare we face, we will face, even as we're beginning to experience in these days. It's going to be intense. It's going to be painful. Yes, perhaps even fatal. But we've been marked. We carry a bullseye on our chests, of the distinguishing weakness of our flesh, 
a limp, as it were, that marks us as overcoming and overcomers for our eternal destiny with the God of heaven. We need to pray. <laughs> Lord, we must become a people of one thing. I like to pray this all the time, Father. You know that. One thing I've desired, one thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I, I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold your beauty, the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in your temple. That's the desire of my heart these days, and I, and I believe the desires of those who are hearing my voice at this time. Father, I want to ask something of you that I, I do not believe is presumptuous, that we, your church, might hear you beckon to come up here, and I'll show you things which must take place after this. I pray you will make a generation and raise up a generation today that will, that will hear that prophetic call with signs and dreams and visions even before your return. Lord, we have so much to look forward to. The supernatural activities that will be on full display to your church will, will, will be able to be found worthy for an outpouring of such grace. And we ask this, Father, in, in Jesus' name, in the name of our Lord and Savior, amen and amen. Well, I believe we shared the, the word of the Lord today. This is a little, little intense, but this is what I urge you to do. Boldly share it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. These are critical days, and the word of the Lord must get out what he's doing in the earth in these times and what he's going to soon do in the future. Maranatha, beloved, I'm Bill Nordstrom. <laughs>